It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn. Painter Sharpless coming to you from Parts Unknown. Painter, how are you? Doing well. I uh, got the first snow of the year, baby. I mean, it really came down this morning. I didn't know what to do with myself. First snow of the year in Parts Unknown. Uh, good way to uh, to continue the holiday, I guess, week, weekend? I don't know. I don't know what the, this, like, no man's land between new year's and and christmas i said that backwards but you know what i mean it's always an interesting time um because you don't really you know i i can say this because i don't have a real job but i know a lot of you who listen do um pretty good holiday for you fantastic i ate i've gained weight i gained more weight this week it's been perfect it's been awesome yeah there you go i mean i didn't get to see my family so in that regard i miss them but other than that fantastic yeah yeah, I mean, I, that's an important. In case they're it. listening, I don't want to offend them. You know, I mean, <laughs> oh, by the your, way, by does the anybody way, in your family does anybody in your family listen to this podcast? Uh, I think that my folks check in. I don't know if they hit every one of them, but they're so supportive in everything I do. Like, if they don't hit every minute of every podcast I do, I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I know my I know my dad listens, and I think at least one of my brothers re- sometimes listens. My brother in law, maybe. Yeah, but. Um, and maybe I shouldn't say supportive of everything I do, but I think you know what I mean. You know, the good stuff. The good, the good stuff. stuff. The good stuff. Well, we're here to talk about something that's not good for those of you who are listening to this, most of you. Um, Unless there's some of you out there in Houston, you know. I know there's yeah. an Auburn hub in Houston. Maybe this was a win-win scenario for you. But if you're listening to this still, I mean, interesting. We're going to do what we did uh, a while back, and we're gonna we're just going to put 30 on the clock. Here we go. We're going to try to do a half an hour on uh, on Auburn football and half an hour on Auburn um, basketball. So here we go. We start this right now. Auburn 13, Houston 17. I'm just talking backwards today. Birmingham Bowl. Look, Painter, we talked about this and, and what – was potentially at stake for Auburn, build off the momentum they got in the uh, uh, the early signing period, potentially build off the momentum they got in the fact that they came close to beating Alabama. No moral victories, but obviously Auburn played well uh, in that game on the defensive side of the ball and had a chance to knock off the number one team in the country and a, and a hated rival. Um, defensively, Auburn, I mean, if you want to talk about good news off the top or positives, this is an Auburn defense that was down – quite a few uh, big-time players um, in, in this game. You knew coming in you were going to be down. Um, you were going to be down the likes of Roger McCreary and Jacoby McClain. Zion Puckett didn't play in this game. Owen Papo practiced this week but did not uh, you know, participate in the game after missing most of the season with an injury. Marquise Burks was also out. Um, at you know one point in the second half, you were missing both Smoke Monday and Jalen Simpson. Um, Auburn had stretches of this game where – walk-ons and guys you had barely seen this season get out on the field and yet they hold Houston to a season low in points uh this is the first time they had scored less than 20 points in a single game and um I mean first drive didn't look great Auburn looked like they were overmatched uh, on defense potentially but they turned it around end of the game kind of the dam broke and I think if you've watched Auburn football play the last few years you kind of saw that script kind of playing out uh, where Auburn has the opportunities to seal the game, do something on offense to you know add on to their lead or put it away, they don't do that, and the defense gives it up late. I mean, this is this is just kind of a script that we've seen time and time again. But all things considered, 
given the situation and given the circumstances, Auburn's defense, as they have been for most of the season, was was well ahead of its offense and uh, played well enough to win. This is the case, you know, outside of the state game, outside of the Mississippi State game, in this five-game losing streak for Auburn to end the season, you know, for those five games, you felt like the defense played played well enough to win. Not perfect, but well enough to win. And uh, it's a it's a it's a another kind of just punch in the stomach, I think, for an Auburn defense that uh, you know some of these guys who've been out there, guys like Chandler Wooten who played a ton and played an excellent football game in his in his farewell to Auburn. Um, they've seen this they've seen this story quite a few times at this point. Brutal stuff, you know, defense doing its part. What else can you ask of these guys? Down a bunch of folks. Uh, you know, I get it. People kind of been wishy-washy on what it was you got from Mason. But really, again, my only fault with him, as I've said before, that Mississippi State game, I don't know what yeah. they're doing. Uh, the rest of the season, I'm pretty fine with. And, uh, you know, they made it work again today. That's a group of five school. I'm not trying to give them too much credit. I don't really know what was going on at the end of his... What was his deal with the whole... I had to wait thing. It was like, sir, come on. It was weird. I think you and I can find him, you know, his sort of, that can be sort of funny, but, or at least he, he sort of has had his moments, but that was odd. Yeah. If you don't know, Dana Holgerson apparently complained after the press conference, you know, I was only in there for Auburn's half that, you know, Brian Harson and Auburn was taking too long. And yeah, Brian Harson is very long winded in some of his answers, but I, I didn't think this was just this egregious thing. But you know, he he does not see it. I, I, I'll I'll put it this way, Painter. Do you recall who Dana Holgerson's mentor is? The guy that kind of he's he's under the tree of in 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 college football coaching. Bob Huggins or Bob Huggins? Uh, Petrino. Yeah, he's a Mike Leach guy. Okay, all right, there, there you go. So, just love, I just love how you pulled out Bob Huggins there. And well, there's noted, sort of a noted, tie. Noted West Virginia basketball coach Bob Huggins. Um, now, ahead yeah, of his time, by the way, with the jumpsuit. I mean, now everybody's getting on the cash. Bob Huggins has been about the casual speaking, life for some time. Speaking of jumpsuit, what was up with Dabo looking like a... I don't know. Yeah, that was, he that was seems, weird. Seems like he would fit in with, like, uh, is it Gen Z that is after millennials? Yes. I don't know. I feel like he would get on there, but maybe that's part of what that's, the deal is. Maybe he can connect. I don't, I don't know. know. He was he was trying on TikTok at least at one point. Um, defense, Auburn, though. Yeah, Auburn's defense. I mean, Houston got the yards. I mean, I, I think everybody can kind of see Houston got their yards, but Auburn got off the field on third downs. There was a long stretch where Houston didn't have a third down conversion. Seventeen points. Seventeen points. I mean, that should be enough to win. I mean, that it's not that hard. Come on, it's not that it's not that hard to get. And it wasn't, and it wasn't like Auburn played perfectly. I mean, they, but Houston has guys that get open really, really well. Um, that one receiver for them in, in particular, um, Nathaniel Dell, I mean, 150 yards, didn't have a touchdown, didn't have a catch longer than 27 yards, but I mean, he's just really, really effective. They get open. Dana Holgerson is a really good offensive coach, but Auburn, you know, got off the field on the money downs, locked in, you know, created turnovers and, the pass rush didn't get home quite as frequently as I thought they were to. Uh, they were going to. I know um, there were a lot of Auburn fans who were watching the game and saying like, "Oh, they should have called Holden a lot more." And, you know, it, from from my perspective, I thought I thought they were just thought this uh, this crew was just going to let dudes kind of fly around there and 
and not necessarily flag him for stuff like that unless it was, of course, targeting. Targeting was definitely going to get uh, flagged in this game. And yeah, it's just a man, a brutal way for Smoke Monday's career to end. And and I know there were people who are like, oh, it's fitting. And like, I don't know, man. Like he played, he played with a ton of energy, played with a ton of emotion. Um, you know, didn't always make the smartest plays on the field in terms of you know, um, uh, avoiding you know those head to head or those questionable hits. But I mean, he 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 had a career at Auburn where he you know started for several seasons and made some impact plays and 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 you know was was a game winner on on a couple occasions for Auburn and has one of the most famous um plays in in recent Iron Bowl history for for that pick six so I mean um he was a productive player and I think you know some of his mistakes are easy to spot as it is when you're a defensive back right um I will say the targeting thing is has gotten so frustrating because it is so subjective and I think we all acknowledge that it is a rule with good intention, unlike some rules like, you know, celebrating and taunting rules where it's like, well, this is also subjective, but hurting no one. All right. So we all understand that we want targeting to be enforced be for called, the yeah. safety part. But like we all also acknowledge that no one really knows what's going on here. I will say one thing about Smoke Monday, for better or worse, and probably there were some parts of his game that benefited from this. If there was anyone that really ever deserved the benefit of doubt on a targeting call, I'm not sure it's him. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's just a tough way to go out. Absolutely. Really what a terrible way to, you know, I mean, this, this kind of uh, subjective rule ends up being this thing that is the last play of your college career. Yeah, that's it's pretty crummy. Yeah, as Brian Harson said, um, you know, as Brian Harson said, it should happen. I mean, they, they should have targeting. That's a rule that makes sense. Maybe the punishment and maybe the application is, is off and, and, and really, really weird. But, um, you know, that there was a, it was for one to come back on a, on a, on a block. And it's just a lot of just kind of just in the weeds kind of stuff that I thought, you know, if it's, if it's so debatable, if it's so questionable, having a guy get thrown out of a game because of it, that's where it's brutal, right? You know, it'd be, it'd be one thing. And, and I think also with the, uh, with the penalty on, um, on Simpson, you know, this guy was sliding and, and that again, bang, bang play, you know, not necessarily going in there with just like evil intentions or anything like that. But I think as Harson said, it's, you know, after the games, different crews call it different ways, different leagues call it different ways. That's what kind of frustrates these guys a lot. But Auburn's defense did its job. It's, it's the offense and it's, it's the offense. Once again, um, finishing drives and, and finishing, um, you know, the fit uh, finishing your scoring opportunities just goes crazy. I mean, Houston, Houston got into Auburn territory four times and scored 17 points. Auburn got into Houston territory seven times and scored 13 points. Um, Auburn was rough, rough, rough in terms of third and short, obvious rushing situations, you know, I thought this game for an offensive line that wasn't full strength, you know, there were times where it would look rough, but like, I didn't think it was the like, Oh man, this is clearly why Auburn lost the game. You know, I think the offensive line in the situation did okay. Not great, but not horrible as well. Um, Auburn was able to run the ball. Tank Bigsby averaged six yards a carry. He caught the ball on some uh, screens. It's just, they couldn't finish drive. There were so many times where they would get into these scoring situations. It'd be these little mistakes. 
John Samuel Shanker said something after the game that I thought was really telling. He said, I'm going to read this quote. He says, we moved the ball pretty well until we got down there and you have little metal errors or snap the ball in the wrong cadence and stuff like that. By the way, that was a terrible mistake at that time for Auburn. Just the little things in the game that you can't afford to happen this late in the season. This late in the season, the little things you should be doing, the little things should be the easy part. It should be stuff like scheme. And that's true. Like, if you get to this point in the year, you shouldn't have these execution errors. And this is what it comes down to for Auburn. And when you talk about the trajectory of Auburn moving forward, especially when it comes to its offense, this is an offense that regressed. You know, you can talk about the program regressing, the fact that this is the first time they lost five straight games in the season, you know, since 1950. Um, this is the first time they lost five straight games since 2012. It's the first time they've had a losing season since 2012. And you just got rid of a guy. Again, not here to litigate all that again, but you just got rid of a guy who never had a losing season. First season in for the next guy, you do have a losing season. You do take a step backwards. And it's that you get to this point in the game and it's just the same stuff again. It's not that Auburn was blown off the field. It wasn't like Auburn didn't have their chances. It wasn't like there weren't good moments and good plays from Auburn's offense in the game because there were some good performances and some good moments for several guys like Tank Bigsby, like Kobe Hudson, like Javarius Johnson, TJ Finley. We'll talk about him later, uh, a little bit later on, but like TJ Finley made some really, really good throws at times, but it is not consistent. And if you get to this late point in the season, it's like, well, what happened? What changed? You can talk about all the changes for Auburn. You can talk about all the differences between the, you know, the beginning of the season and the end of the season. And there's a, there's a bunch of them. But the fact of the matter is, is that Auburn did not progress this year and they got worse as time went on on offense. And it's, it's these execution problems, like Shanker said, that shouldn't be happening down the stretch. And it's fixable. You know, that was the big talk after the game about even on defense is the players and hearts talk about the mistakes are fixable. And that is true, right? And I think some people may think that may, you know, when I point to that and I wrote about it, uh, you know, in the observations on, on, on Tuesday uh, evening, me calling it fixable isn't me saying it's going to be fixed. And them calling it fixable doesn't necessarily guarantee it's going to be fixed. But it's not, you can't watch this game, I don't think, and say, well, Auburn just doesn't have the talent. They had more talent than Houston, right? They did not take care of their opportunities. They did not take advantage of their opportunities as much as Houston did, and they lost that game, right? It wasn't like Auburn didn't want to be there. You know, we're beating the straw horse of all these people every time the SEC loses the game. Well, they just didn't want to be here. If you use that excuse for the Auburn game, you know, it's a straw man. Those guys played all the way to the final whistle, and as they have all season, it's just the fact that hard work, and I wrote about it earlier in the week, Hard work and a better talent level isn't always going to you know, mean that you win these games. And Auburn didn't, and it's like, yes, it's fixable, but the challenges only get tougher from here because you have a roster that's in transition. And I, there are no easy fixes here. Like, saying they are fixable is one thing, but it's like that's something where, like, coaching, there's going to be some long, hard-looking inward from this program this year because they didn't give up and they didn't – pack it in at any point this year but it's these recurring self-inflicted wounds down the stretch of the season you got to look it's like well why are you why do you keep doing this at the end of the year that that, that, that's not the mark of a good football team it does feel like harson missed a bit of an opportunity this year when they were six and two and really rolling and even if you lose the a&m game 
you're thinking State and South Carolina are two games that you would take care of. And then, of course, regardless of the fact that they lost that game, I think most people would have been surprised if Auburn went blow for blow with Alabama for four quarters. Maybe not after they started 6-2, and two, but certainly after the way November had gone, losing all three of those games. And so instead, Auburn probably underachieved slightly, even though I don't totally disagree with his coach speak when he says something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here, about the team and the results not quite matching what they really are. I can understand that. Sure, I'm also wearing my orange and blue lenses. That's fine. I mean, they, um, the four the four games they lost, four of the final five games they lost this season, right? They had leads in the second half. They lost them by a combined 19 points. You know, it, 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 this is a six. This is a losing record that isn't indicative of a team that gets blown off the field. Right. But I'll, I'll, I'll say all that to say that, like, I I think next year gets infinitely harder because I'm not sure the roster is better. And I'm also, like, playing Alabama and Georgia away is almost certainly two losses. It has been for a decade plus now, you know, or close to a decade at this point. Um, I, I will say, yeah, over a decade at this point. Um it's tough. They're in a tough yeah. spot. To, They're to in a really to, tough spot. I mean, they've got to find a new quarterback, whether he's in the room right now or not. Seems like they're interested in adding a third piece to that equation. And then I don't, I don't know what the answer is in the offensive line. Seems again, like no like, one has since the 2017 season. Yeah, and again, like I, I don't think the offensive line was the reason why you lost it. it. You know, there were times where it definitely didn't help, right? And the ex- that plays into the execution. But like also. You could you could be out four starters from four regular starters from this season. So like, I think Harson said it after the game when he was talking about the guys who got ejected, and he's like, "Well, the dudes behind them aren't necessarily like. There's a reason why they're not starting, right? <laughs> like, and that starts to have some real impact and 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 a meaning once you go down the list here. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said it. They've got to they've got to get better at quarterback, right? And I'm not saying it's impossible for TJ Finley, but it's it's tough. It's tough at this point. He had 51% of his passes, 6.14 yards per attempt. He would make some really good throws, and you can see he kind of has it maybe a little bit more cranked up. And because he's not the same kind of runner, it, it doesn't change. I mean, it, it changes some of this as well, and so it's a little different. But like, it's very much kind of like the 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 Bo Nix issue with with inconsistency. He would make plays where you're like, man, they they you see it, you got it, but then you make throws and see see misses and you're like wow that's just that's not going to get it done and it's not to say quarterbacks can improve Finley's still a young quarterback who has never been a full-time starter at this point maybe with a new offense maybe with a new offense coordinator slash quarterbacks coach maybe settling into that role he can get better I'm not saying that those things can't happen but he's had two seasons now where he's had to step into the starting jobs in both those times at LSU and Auburn and he's been a sub-60% passer and, and averages around six yards of attempt. This is kind of who he is at this point. Yes, there are drops. Yes, there are protection issues. Yes, there are things that didn't go his way. But there were also a good number of just misfires in this game and opportunities that could have been touchdowns with 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 on-target throws or better throws. And, again, had some throws, had some plays that were really, really good, but they were just way too inconsistent. And so Auburn's got a tough spot to be in right now because – you can like the arm talent of Finley, and you can like some of what he brings to the table. Obviously, his traits and his tools and the fact that he has 
been through the fire um, and has kind of been through that mental grind of being a quarterback in the SEC and, and put in tough spots in two years. But some of the things about, you know, locking onto his targets uh, too quickly or not reading the full field or these inconsistent passes that he's had and just the the level of inaccuracy overall, like that that's tough. Like that, those numbers that he's put together these first two years are not winning football. And again, like you said, Painter, it could get tougher because your your offensive line is going to be different. Now, there's definitely a case to be made that things can improve and things can, can be, get better with Finley, with the offensive line, with all these different aspects of Auburn's offense. But it's far from a guarantee. And Auburn's already been in the mix for guys in the portal. And they were in the mix. for I mean, That's how Finley got here is that, you know, Auburn was in the mix for portal when they had a much more consistent, a much more stable quarterback situation, so to speak, with Bo Nix. Well, that's not the case anymore. And obviously, I mean, Demetrius Davis did not play a single snap this year. And, you know, we can talk about Harson saying that he had developed and he got more opportunities. They obviously did not think he was ready. For whatever reason, they thought Finley was the better choice all throughout this game, all throughout the Iron Bowl when he got hurt. That's telling, right? That doesn't mean that Demetrius Davis can't be a really good quarterback. He's he's a talented player, and he was a very successful player in high school and all these things for a reason. But the guys that spend the most time with him and see them the most and see them play the most did not think he was ready at this point, obviously. Then you have another quarterback coming in and Holden Garner, who's just completely inexperienced at the college level. And so it seems like the portal is going to be at least get somebody who can compete, if not a guy who can come out and win this job. But Auburn's got to get a lot better at quarterback for 2022 against that schedule with what could be around him with the defense potentially not being as good next season. If not, I mean, it it could be a rough season. I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't know already, but it's the most important position on the field, and Auburn is in a tough spot right now. They've either got to get great development and great improvement from the guys they've already got on their roster, or they've got to find somebody and have somebody who can click really, really quickly and help them win games next season. Yeah, just real quick, I don't know what the offensive line will look like just based on what we yeah, know about no, departures no and the fact uh, Keandre that... Keandre Jones. Right, is about exactly. Killian Tyre, you know, probably. There have been flashes it. in Keandre's career where you could perhaps be excited, but I don't think to this point he has proven to be a consistently excellent football player. Now, again, things can change. At quarterback, it seems like we're going to have a three-man competition, right? And we don't know who that third person is. I guess I could be wrong about that. Uh, and then at wide receiver right now, it feels like you have Kobe Hudson, who is a a good receiver, a fine receiver, is being productive for Auburn, still has elements of his game that seemingly could improve. But after that, I don't know what you have. And then you have in the running back room, I think what you have is Tank Bigsby for sure, I, I hope. And then Jarquez Hunter, um, you know, just kind of when competition got harder, like as a freshman, it was probably a little bit harder for him. I, Yeah, it's it's hard not to feel like offensively the Auburn roster has a like lot to be desired and on top of a lot of unknowns. Like, who else is going to be there besides Kobe Hudson? What is the offensive line going to look like? And is it going to be any better given how different it's about to become? And, yeah, we're going to talk about this quarterback thing all offseason. I mean, that's basically yeah. going to be something that's a conversation point for the next nine months. Auburn's got a new quarterbacks coach coming in. 
we have seen in the past where guys from the NFL, young upstart guys, have been able to kind of find the secret sauce to help offenses go reach the next level. That's got to happen for Auburn. Like, that's got to be a key piece. And whether it's with a guy who is on this roster right now or not, it's got to get fixed. But that's the I, thing. I, just, I feel like we're like if you're wanting to be optimistic, part of the problem is right now you don't have any of the answers you need. You right. don't know what the offensive line is going to look like or who's going to be on it. You don't know who's going to be behind Kobe Hudson. You don't know who your quarterback is likely to be because I think we have a competition to play out and probably one more member to join that competition. And so yeah. it's hard to spin any optimism right now simply because there's so many unknowns. But I also don't think it's complete doom and gloom either, right? I, I think if you have a Tank Bigsby, if you have Kobe Hudson, if you have guys like Javarius Johnson and, and, and Jarko, like you have some talent there and you have some guys on defense that step up and play well, but it's a tough spot to be in if you're Auburn because there's going to be a lot – of work that needs to be done. And, and, and I will say this one, the one thing, you know, a lot of people have varying opinions on Brian Harson as they do with any head coach. Brian Harson is not the type of guy who is going to shy away from or brush off the challenges ahead. I mean, he was very clear and honest. He had a very long answer in one of his press conferences er, in one of to one of the questions in the press conference after the game about the challenges and about how much he learned this year. It was honest and it what they were not all quotes and all sentences that painted himself in glory or, you know, even looked great. I mean, there was some stuff that like Auburn fans probably heard and went, you know, don't know if we want to necessarily hear that. But this is the thing. He came in and he took a job and he's gonna want to do it his way. He talked about mentality. He talked about, you know, a program. And it's going to be tough to do that in the SEC because it, A, is the toughest conference in college football, but, B, he had never done it before at this level. Not saying it can't work, but it's an adjustment, and it's a change. The way he wants to run his program, run his offense, run his defense, run everything is very different than what Gus Malzahn did. And so this was always going to be a process. When he got hired, we talked about this being a big-picture move, that this is going to be something for the long term if it is going to work out. And it's on him, it's on his staff to improve in 2022 because if they don't, things, I mean, Auburn's got a really high standard. Now, they know they don't are going to win championships every year. They're not Alabama. They're not Georgia. They're not at that point uh, in their history, and they've rarely ever been at that point in their history on a consistent basis. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't have high expectations. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have standards and hopes. But that's just the reality of the situation. There are aspects of what he did, you know, helping build this program and trying to get it the way he wants to be that worked in 2021. There wasn't a ton of them, but the way they finished in recruiting, the way they're seemingly hitting the portal, the way they're going to try to reload, it could work. But it's going to be very, very, very difficult. And this is either going to be kind of the start to you know, a process and a, and a, you know, something that, that, that long-term can end up working out or, or you're going to be in a situation where Auburn could get into a spot where they are not better off than they were a few years ago. Um, and you know, you traded what happened in the Malzahn era for what, this mystery for what, whatever's next. And it could not work out. That's just how coaching hires go sometimes. So I think I, all that to say, it's 
he's not going to shy away from the challenge and he knows what's at stake and he knows what the pressure is. And, and it's, it's one of those things where when he talks about this, you know, doing the right thing every single day, like he says a lot of the right things, but actually going out and doing them is, is tough because they don't happen in a vacuum. You know, you can do all the right things and, you know, as you won as a program and Auburn fought hard and they did all, you know, they, they played four quarters and, and all that stuff all the way through the year, but they still lost five games in the season. That's not enough. That hard work, that all that stuff is just not enough. It's going to take talent acquisition. It's going to take development. It's going to take improvement from everybody in the program in order for Auburn to take a step forward next year. And that is a whole lot easier said than done. And I, and I think that's probably the best way to put it. Margin for error is so tiny. I mean, it's, it's not small. impossible that they could have easily finished off that South Carolina, you know, Mississippi State, Alabama trio, uh, you know, snagging two of three or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, it's tough when this is the result, six and seven after going six and two to start, you know, to be three quarters of the way through your year. And of course, one of the big complaints about Malzahn that we talked about, whether we were doing the radio show or doing the podcast was, why is November so hard for Gus Malzahn? And it's like, well, maybe. Got worse. <laughs> yeah, you did get worse. And maybe it's just a, a brutal November, <laughs> you know, and they've moved that Georgia game, um, but playing Texas A&M isn't exactly a walk in the park. Goodness knows they're still recruiting like crazy. Um, yeah, the state game is always going to haunt me. I guess I'll say that. I can understand South Carolina to a degree because it was like you're on the road and you got Finley playing this first game as a starter at Auburn, yada, yada, yada. I will say this before we wrap up football talk here because we're running on, on the half hour. It'll be interesting to see what this roster looks like and the buy-in moving forward. I think Chandler Wooten and John Samuel Shanker and some of these guys that stayed back and played in this game and came back for another another season didn't hit the portal because they wanted to stay at Auburn. You know, they said a lot of the right things about Harson and the program and where they go moving forward. And I I never saw this team this year and looked at it and said, you know what, they're probably not they're probably not bought in. Um, I didn't really see people fold. Didn't really see people give up uh, to a to a significant degree. Um, that's going to have to continue, and it's going to take a lot of buy-in. It's going to take a lot of hard work because uh, there's going to be an off-season full of chatter and an off-season full of doubt, and those doubts aren't going to get fixed or answered anytime soon. And I mean, you're you're talking about <laughs> next October before we really, really know what Auburn is in 2022 uh, just because of the way the schedule falls out. Yeah, I think there's a there's a real situation where Auburn fans might find themselves extremely excited just more than a month into the season. Yep, and Auburn's got to be consistent with that and finish games and do some of the things they were not able to do this year. Um, if not, it could be another tough year, and man, it, who, who knows what it looks like in 2022. I mean, I, there's plenty of change coming to Auburn football and um, there's going to be a lot of pressure that comes along with it. And that's all I really have to say about that. That <laughs> is the 30 minute mark. Uh, and we will switch over to basketball here shortly. All I'll say is Dana Holgerson's enjoying this. He's laughing it up. Good for him. Honestly, I, I sort of like how he, I don't know if it's very laid back. Yeah. 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 It just seems like he gets that this shouldn't be taken so seriously. And he's making all this money to coach football. 
Before we move on, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. We're talking the most vintage, premium collegiate apparel that you will find anywhere. The softest t-shirts, the softest hoodies, the softest sweatshirts, the softest joggers uh, with some of the coolest designs you're going to find anywhere. If you're an Auburn fan, and you most likely are if you're listening to this podcast, got really cool Auburn stuff. Um, best t-shirts you'll find anywhere. Some really good hoodies, really good uh, crew neck sweatshirts as well. Uh, it's Auburn basketball season. Uh, it's in full swing at this point. SEC play uh, underway this week. They've got a Sailor Obby sticking his arm through the rim like Vince Carter, one of my favorite designs at home field. Um, that, you can get that on a t-shirt or a, Na- a Navy crew neck. Um, and they're also restocking uh, some items, some popular items um, throughout these next few weeks. The Flying Eagle through the A, uh, that classic design is on back on a great hoodie. And as someone who basically lives in home field hoodies, I'm telling you, you're going to want to get one uh, this time of year. Homefieldapparel.com is the place to go. They're adding more schools, you know, pretty much each week now. Big new Saturday season three coming up. So if there are other schools uh, that you have a connection to, or you just think their logos are awesome, that's what the good brand is here for. They will uh, provide you uh, with plenty of options uh, at Homefield. And if it's your first time ordering from Homefield, promo code Observer gets you 15% off your very first order. Uh, so if you got a little money. From the holidays, want to spend something on uh, spend something on yourself, or maybe spend something uh, for a loved one or a, uh, a or, or a friend who loves a particular college school, whether it's Auburn or somebody else. I said college school; that was really stupid. You know what I meant. Uh, if there's a particular team that they really like, chances are Homefield's got it, uh, and uh, they've got the best designs you're going to find anywhere for that school. So. As I said, homefieldapparel.com. Observer is the promo code for 15% off your first order. We appreciate Connor, Whitney, and the whole gang up there in Indianapolis for continuing to support us and support this podcast. Uh, We had quite a few people um, get gift subscriptions, give gift subscriptions uh, during the holiday season, which is always cool, always a treat uh, to see those numbers climb, uh, you know, in, in, in the off season. I guess technically this is the off season now, but we've got some new listeners and we've got some new subscribers on board. AuburnObserver.com, six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year if you want to get everything we do, which includes a bonus podcast, which will be a t- quick turnaround this uh, upcoming week. Uh, we will have a podcast up tomorrow, hopefully by the time you're listening, it's Thursday morning uh, about uh, Auburn LSU basketball and spinning that forward as well. To get that, subscribe to the Observer and you get all the newsletters as well. Uh, covering basketball and football, um, mailbags, film rooms, analysis, all the stuff we do on the writing side, uh, auburnobserver.com. But some of you can also help the show out without doing a, without paying a single dime, uh, and we appreciate that help as well. Painter, tell them how they can do it. Rate, review, subscribe, Spotify, getting into the rating game. So shouts out to Mark Zuckerberg. And then, of course, at Apple, you can leave a review. You can mash that subscribe or follow button. It sure does do us a wonder. Uh, We do appreciate it. And look, folks, Auburn football, I get it. Maybe you're apathetic. Maybe you're angry. 
Maybe mm-hmm. you just don't know what to do with your hands, but Auburn basketball, by the time you're listening to this, we're perhaps mere hours from the Auburn LSU game conference play. Will Wade giving us lots of credit, talking about us hanging from the rafters. We are a basketball school after all. So, uh, And know. we will be covering Auburn basketball full blast, like football, uh, here in the heart of basketball season because it is now officially basketball season. You know, people can joke when that actually starts at Auburn these days. We're in it now. Football season's over. Auburn doesn't play another meaningful football game for, you know, eight-plus months. Just like Christmas, a basketball conversation is always around the corner. I mean, we can always appreciate that our guy Bruce Pearl is going to have the boys ready. Rating, reviewing, and subscribing uh, is huge for us. It helps the show out a lot. It helps people find us gets us more listeners, gets us more subscribers. It's an easy way to help us out. As Painter said, Apple Podcasts, you search. Search the Auburn Observer. Click on us. Scroll down to ratings and review. Click write a review. Give us five stars. Say something nice about Painter. We'll read it on the air. We're very vain in that in that aspect. Let's read a couple of reviews, shall we? This is one is from CLBHC. It says, I came to the podcast after my son told me about an Auburn classmate that was doing his own thing. I wonder who this is. Uh, I said, sure, I'll give that a try. I stayed because of the fantastic content. I I learned something new from every episode and loved the film rooms. Then there's Painter to keep things from from getting too deep. A great balance. I like that. That's what we're going for here. Very, very kind. Thank you, thank you. And thank you to whoever... um, whoever is your son. Um, I, I would like to know who that is. Um, this review is from Sean. Uh, it says the best Auburn podcast available has been a listener since the TLB days. Awesome. Uh, was devastated when it was canceled and thrilled to see them continue. Painter is the goat. He speaks for the people. Thanks for staying on board with us, Sean. Uh, it really, really does mean a lot. That is always fun when we hear that. It's we just hear a nice little moment, a little trip back. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Uh, appreciate all you guys and, and those of you subscribe and tell your friends and share. Um, hopefully Auburn basketball season is going to, going to keep us, uh, with a lot of exciting stuff oh, to talk about and write to. about our beautiful boys. I mean, come on, there's no way that they don't do it. Right. I mean, this is the best team. Well, let's start with that. 30 minutes on the clock. Here we go. Uh, Auburn LSU. Um, like Painter said, by the time you're listening to this, you might be just few, a few hours away from the game. Um, if you're listening to this and you know what already happens. Yeah, maybe LSU already lost. <laughs> maybe LSU already lost. Auburn LSU, oh boy, this is a war, uh, something fierce. Uh, in, Speaking in of basketball. wars, the coaching war of who's going to praise who more is going to be off the charts in this one. Will Wade talking us up. I loved it. I was all of a sudden I've been talking all this stuff about will wade and i was like yeah that's my guy man talking about how great our home court advantage is and then of course you know bruce is going to come in there he's going to have a scouting report of the walk-on he's going to be talking about how fantastic their character is it's going to be awesome somebody pointed out on twitter this week bruce is the king of coach speak i mean you could say that pumping up the other team this lsu team is legit like oh yeah no i mean i can't believe how good they are at defense ridiculous they are one of the few undefeated teams left in college basketball coming into this game. This is, I mean, when you talk about a blockbuster opener uh, for Auburn basketball in SEC play, they, I mean, maybe Auburn Kentucky would be the only one that would have higher, higher 
prestige than this, just because of what LSU has been, what what this rivalry means. Um, this one feels more fun too, because Kentucky is, you know, the old blood of the or the old money of the, and like Auburn and LSU have had a similar come up here in recent years. And LSU doing it completely differently than they usually do. Um, you know, uh, Will Wade um, on the floor for his uh, for his offenses, and that is not the case this year for them. LSU's got the number one defense in college basketball, uh, number one effective field goal defense, number one in steal percentage, uh, and number eight in turnovers. They're also number four in blocks, something they have in common with Auburn, an excellent blocking team. This defense has just been downright nasty, and this. This LSU team, not a whole lot of people expected huge things from them this season. They played a schedule where they've got some really good wins on their team. They beat Belmont by 30. Belmont's a team that usually makes the NCAA tournament. Um, Other top 100 wins include Penn State and Wake Forest. Uh, Ohio and Georgia Tech are kind of borderline. They beat uh, uh, Kenneth Lofton and and Louisiana Tech uh, a couple weeks ago. This is a fantastic basketball team that is doing it with defense and they are scoring in transition off of it. This is what they want to do. They make life miserable uh, for opponents. Opponents are playing slower than usual. They're not taking as many threes as usual. Um, And what's the key to it? You may ask, they are a true switch everything defense. Um, If you don't know what that means, or if you need a little bit of a refresher and a pick and roll coverage, man to man defense pick coverages, you know, when you screen, the whole point of getting a screen is to create some sort of mismatch or some sort of, you know, some sort of changing up where if I have the ball and Painter comes and sets the screen for me, Painter's man has to, depending on the co- coverage and the call, he either has to go with me or my defender has to do a good job of getting around it. And there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can ice, you can do all these different coverages. But what else you does is switch everything. And so... This is a team that is tall across the board. They've got tall guards. They've got good-sized big men. And they switch everything in the fact that they've got big, strong physical guards that when the big men, you know, when, when, when a big man sets a screen for them, they go with the big man, right? They stay with that guy. And so oftentimes you run those screens. Think about the Auburn-St. Louis game where Auburn abused St. Louis on that that screen where you just had to play this tough two-man game with Walker, Kessler, and Wendell Green. What an LSU team will do is say they're not going to get caught in no man's land. They know what they're going to do. If that, if that guard has to play against Walker, Kessler, they will live with that matchup because those guys are taught and trained and, and know how to play defense to slow that down. And when you have big physical guards and wings and forwards that are athletic and mobile, you can switch everything, and it makes things really, really difficult. Of course, when I talk about defense at a high level and I talk about basketball, I usually like to point to my Golden State Warriors, one of the fulcrums of that of, of, of why they were so good on defense in their come-up. And what makes them so good now is that they switch everything oftentimes that they don't have a matchup problem on the floor. Draymond Green is an undersized big man, but when they ran the death lineup um, back in the day, and even the super death lineup with KD, guys who can get, you know, guys who can defend all five positions, the Isaac Okoros of the world. I think Jabari Smith's got a little bit of that in his game to him right now. Kessler can hang with 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 those kind of guys as well. KD Johnson, maybe not the height advantage, or Alan Flang, I think, is a great example. Guys who can switch and do that. 
LSU's just built across the board to do all those things. And it makes it tougher for offenses to run their stuff because they're not in a position where they can get the mismatches and the shot opportunities that they want as frequently because that defense is not bothered by you trying to get a mismatch. Because in their eyes, they're not mismatches. It's something that Bruce Pearl even talked about. This is going to be an insane chess match to watch between Will Wade and and Bruce Pearl, um, especially when Auburn has the ball in their hands. I like our team. We're deeper. They definitely are deeper. So, you know what? Give me the Tigers. I'm all the way here. I've got to commit to something. You know, life's tough. And uh, my Auburn Tigers, I love this matchup. I love everything about it. So, LSU led at guard by Xavier Pinson. You may remember oh, him yes. oh, from yes. such hits as being recruited by Auburn. Um, and, and, man, was, you, know, you know, thrilled the about top, the way uh, our roster worked out. It was one of the way. top transfers in, in the SEC, one of the top transfers in college basketball this year. Uh, he has done a really good job of being uh, a steal guy, a good assist guy. He shoots free throws really well. Um, a great guard there for them. Brandon Murray is a very talented freshman. Uh, that a lot of people uh, really, really like coming out of high school. Um, you know, they've, they've got dudes with experience who came back, Monty Wilkinson, Tari Eason, you know, guys who have a little bit under their belt, Darius Days. Darius Days is a guy uh, who plays a ton of minutes, um, but isn't necessarily the, the starter all the time. Eric Gaines does a great job, um, you know, off the bench for them. Um, and then Efton Reed is going to be one of the best big young big men in college basketball this year. Um, this is a team that's doing it with defense and, and their defense is turning into offense. That's, it's kind of the thing where we talk about Auburn taking care of the ball, valuing possessions, not giving it away. That's got to be key in this game because LSU's offense in the half court, not quite as effective. Um, you know, 218th in the country in three pointers, they're getting to the line. Um, you know, they're finishing around the rim. They're rebounding well. They're playing fast, but they like to create off a transition. Very much kind of like what we saw with Murray State, where it's a really, really good defense that wants to get out and run and, and turn their defense into offense. And what Auburn did to beat Murray State and affect them a ton is play slow, play smart, and and not let them kind of get in their comfort zone. They got to do that against LSU, but it's just a, it's a different kind of animal uh, because LSU is – is a team that's built off of blue chip talent, just like Auburn is. And they haven't lost. Like that's, that's another thing is like they haven't lost. And this is one of the first times this year where you look at them and say, they're not going to be favored in a game. Um, you know that. Yeah. It will be the first time a team plays them and can match them athletically. Yes. Yes. Cause even the good teams they played this year. And I say good, like top 100 type of type of teams, teams that you would hate to play or, might not enjoy playing in the first round of the tournament. But the Belmonts and the Penn States and the Wake Forests of the world and the Louisiana Techs don't have the athleticism of LSU because you know who 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 has the athleticism of LSU? Very few teams, period, in college basketball. Yeah, Will Wade's working those phones, baby. He knows he knows how to get really good athletic uh, talent, and, and usually it's fast-paced offense that's doing it. Now it's disruptive defense turning into easy offense. And they've had their – troubles this year um you know scoring the ball consistently there's been some games this year where they've scored in the 60s or the low 70s but that defense just really gives them a a a good matchup 
Um, it's been discussed widely now, but the beginning of their schedule is hilarious. It's almost like the SEC was like, fine, we're not like just like the NCAA. We don't know what to do with you in terms of catching you on the phone, talking about paying players. So we're just going to make the first like one third of your schedule hilariously difficult. Here it is, in case you haven't heard it yet. Uh, LSU starts at Auburn Wednesday night. They host Kentucky. They host Tennessee. They go to Florida. They host Arkansas. They go to Bama, and they go to Tennessee. Just. I mean, like, everyone's schedule's tough if you're trying to win the SEC. you got to play a bunch of good teams. But, like, Auburn doesn't have to play them in that order. No, Auburn gets to play South Carolina on the road, Florida at home. Those are a little – I mean, they're they're a whole lot more spaced out. I mean, these are – these are quad one just stacks right here for LSU. And, like, to the point where it's like if LSU wins three of their first seven, you're like, oh, well, that's still a really good basketball team. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a brutal, it's a brutal run right here for LSU. And Auburn has the chance to be the first one to, um, to, take, to, to, to take a scout from LSU. And last season, Auburn got flat out embarrassed by LSU in – um, in 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 the Maravit Center down at Baton Rouge, I mean, they LSU had a stretch where it looked like they might score 120 or 130 on them. Yeah, for and, as up and down as Auburn's season was last year, one of the few games where I really felt like they were helpless was that LSU game. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they played competitively and and they blew some leads and they had some teams that were consistently better than them, but that team boat raced them. And they've got Days again. Darius Days, uh, uh, just a guy that's a problem child against anybody that faces him. It's going to be, hey, Jabari Smith, you're potentially a number one overall pick, top three pick, top five pick at the very, very least. You're going against a grown man that has played a lot of good SEC basketball, and that's going to be a matchup that's going to be all kinds of fun to watch. This is a matchup, Painter. I don't want to rain on your parade, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go too pessimistic you can't. here. Don't worry. Okay, good. This is a matchup for Auburn that I find very, very fascinating in the ter- terms of the the challenge. Is that I felt like if Auburn had to play a team where if their offense was ahead of their de- like if they're playing an elite team and it's an elite offense over an elite defense, I think Auburn fares better against the elite offense because of the way they play defense this year. We do know that the issues that Auburn has had at times this season in some of these games, in this non-conference stretch they just went through, which is a tougher one than what LSU went through for sure, um, it's that the offense kind of got bogged down at times. And this is a defense that is designed to bog you down. It's designed to make life miserable for you. And so at home will be an interesting, you know, kind of, you know, tweak to this to this matchup for Auburn. But I do wonder, I mean, Auburn is playing a defense in, in LSU that is just flat-out nasty and one of the, the best defense in college basketball this season. What can they do to make sure they don't get into those ruts that even though LSU is not an elite offensive team this season, they can win with their defense, they can win going into transition, and they've still got guys who can get their own shots even if they're not necessarily lighting it up at the level of an Auburn or, or definitely like an Alabama on offense this year. Feed Jabari. You have the number one overall pick on your team. This LSU, like, so by comparison, 
Auburn lost to a UConn team that's 26 in adjusted, adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, they beat Loyola Chicago, who's 52nd. And then they've played a bunch of teams that are kind of towards the bottom of who they're going to have to play this year in that kind of opponent-adjusted, of course, defensive efficiency metric. This is going off of Kempom. This is, I mean, like, this is a game where Jabari's got to step up. And one of the weapons that Auburn has this year that they didn't have last season, well, two, we'll go with two of them. Number one, I'll say this before we get to Jabari. Number one, they've got a point guard in Wendell Green Jr. and one in Zepp Jasper and a guy in, in, in Katie Johnson as well. And some guys that, Devin Gambridge was a guy who's gotten a lot of love for this. They're taking care of the ball a lot better. Auburn's doing a good job of not getting in these really bad rashes of turnovers. They have true point guards that are healthy, and they have multiple ones. Last year, of course, was the game that Sharif got hurt in last season. That's a weapon because if you're sloppy against LSU, you're dead. That's a big weapon. But the second one, and the thing that they didn't have in this game last season, more importantly, is they've got a dude that can go get his own shot. And Jabari Smith has had sequences this year and moments and stretches where you look at him and say, that's a dude that's going to play in the NBA. And he's like, I've got the ball and I'm going to shoot this shot. And it's probably going to go in and I don't care who's on me. And I don't care what kind of defense they've got on me. It's going in, it's going down. Uh, or I'm going to at least put a really, really good effort up there and getting their own, your own shot against defense and hitting contested shots is one of those attributes that separates. I've said it on this podcast all the time. It separates NBA players from really good college players. Auburn's got that with Jabari. Now, they're going to need other guys to score. They can't just be all Jabari. You know, with a team as good as LSU, can't just be all Jabari. But if there is a game for Jabari to sit back and take over and just show that NBA kind of contested shots, you know, working hard at, 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 at getting those shots off and getting those makes that aren't necessarily – easy this has got to be it because they don't come tougher than LSU on the defensive side of the ball or the floor I should say yeah I think I like that we have one of the best players and I'm going to start continuing to push him as a few others are doing as the top prospect in all of college basketball and the NBA but I do think I like another thing that we do uh, is we can win on a variety of ways. So I understand what you're talking about. LSU plays defense and they bog things down. Um, fortunately, we're deep. Fortunately, we have just as many athletes. Fortunately, we have guys who can shoot. Fortunately, we have some guys who can play defense uh, in their own right. Like There's a lot of ways that this Auburn basketball team can find a way to win, which of course means some things and has some tournament implications because it means that anybody you match up against, you might have an answer for. But it also means, I think, in a game like this, where LSU might be able to stymie some of Auburn's strengths, Auburn can sort of figure out something else that LSU might not be as effective at slowing down. And the ultimate neutralizer is what you just spent great time talking about, Jabari. Right, and 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 Walker We has... have a front court advantage, too. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I shouldn't spend so much time talking about him. We have this ultimate rim protector, this guy that seems like he's really hitting his stride here. Right as we get into conference plays, had a nice string of games here. The front court seems problematic for almost every team that we play. Yeah, Efton Reed's good. He's a really good young big man. But, like, this is going to be a game where Kent Walker, he's got a little bit of a size advantage on him. Can he go to work? And LSU is not a team that fouls a ton. 
But my question here is, can Auburn get to the free throw line a little bit more? They, that's something that if you would point to one problem that Bruce Pearl keeps harping on game after game, it's like we're not getting the free throw line. We're not getting to the free throw line. Auburn this season um, is uh, 252nd in the country right now in free throw attempts uh, per field goal attempts. It's so, so like funny the rate of getting the line. It's so funny to think about that 2019 team too, like how yeah. different identities some of Pearl's teams have had where that team wasn't even necessarily an efficient free throw shooting team. But it's like, well, they if you take a hundred of them a game, it doesn't matter. Right. They just lived at the free throw line. And Auburn's got some dudes that are shooting decently at the line. Devin Cambridge, 83%. Jabari Smith, 83%. Uh, Wendell Green, 82%. Uh, 75% from uh, Zepp Jasper. I, they've got guys that can – you know, make it happen at the stripe. So the big thing for Auburn in this game is when you play a big athletic physical defense, don't turn the ball over against them and use some of that aggressiveness and some of their, uh, you know, some of that power to your advantage and get to the line. You're playing at home. I don't know who the referee is going to be. I know you can't bank on uh, officiating in college basketball or in any sport for that matter, but take advantage of the fact that you're playing at home and take advantage of the fact that you're going to be the one making the noise and, you know, getting into everybody's head um, with your home crowd. Auburn's got to get to the free throw line more. And we've th- think about games where Auburn's played some really good defensive teams over the last few seasons in this run under Pearl. I think about the Kentucky games where it was like Alan Flanagan and Isaac Okoro and guys like that just being like, you know what, I'm going to go live at the line. And, and it's going to be getting downhill and finishing in, in traffic and, and, you know, drawing that contact. They're going to have to get some of that. And Auburn's smaller backcourt is going to have a good have to do a good job of, of doing their part and creating that against bigger guards from LSU and guys that are physical and, and protect the rim really, really well. Uh, and Auburn's frontcourt have to, have to do their part as well because Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, two guys that are hitting their strides and playing at a really high level right now on offense, they are a little bit more finesse guys. On offense, maybe I say a little bit, maybe a lot more finesse than necessarily raw power guys. And that's good at times, but I think Auburn would love to see them kind of play that kind of physical, you know, contact magnet style. Because, especially for a guy like Jabari, if Jabari, if Jabari Smith has a game where he gets to the free throw line consistently, that's great news for Auburn because he usually knocks him down. I like the Tigers, the good Tigers. It's 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 a it's a fascinating game to me because I think at you know going on the road to Baton Rouge would be a different story. I, I'm just I, I'm curious to see what Auburn does on offense against a team that is this good at defense. Yeah, they're this so good. good at defense. Yeah. If you that look are, at their Ken Palm, it's just green because everything's green, like dark green on defense, and then it's just all their non-conference when it's like Jesus. Like they're yeah they're awesome and. Auburn has had some good games. I think at times at Murray State, the way they value position, St. Louis fighting through adversity to get those wins. They've had some times, and of course, you know, Nebraska, that stretch where they just couldn't stop scoring. Um, you know, Syracuse, UCF, Yale, Nebraska, that, that stretch where they scored 85-plus in all, all of those games. They've had some moments where it's just like, man, this offense is just, you know, insane when it's clicking. They've had some games where they had to be a little bit more patient, had to be a little bit more selective, and it's worked out for them. Auburn's veterans have got to step up in this game, take care of the ball, make good shots, work for awesome shots, and try to limit that. Because I think if Auburn 
If Auburn plays a strict half-court versus half-court game against LSU, I like Auburn's chances not only because they're playing at home, not only because they, I think they have the better player and the better shooter in, in, in Smith in this, but also like LSU does so much off of the, off of the steals and off of, you know, coming off a transition, you got to cut down on those opportunities. And so if they take care of the ball and play good defense, this could be a really good win, but if they get sloppy and they get loose with the ball and LSU starts to really kind of get them, get rolling downhill, um, you know, they're, they're a team that's going to make life really, really tough on you. And unlike St. Louis and unlike South Florida, and unlike some of these teams, Auburn has come back on this season UConn's probably the best comparison here. There's not a clear cut like mismatch where it's just like, oh, go do that, because they're just designed not to have mismatches on the defensive side of the side of the floor. Like that's just that's just their DNA uh, as a team at this point. Um, I, 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 it, it just it's just a fascinating matchup for me in a number of ways. Is can Auburn be if Auburn beats an elite defense and I know they're at home and I know they're going to be favored. I know they've been a little bit more tested than LSU this season. If they beat an elite defense like this, like this is, I mean, this would be phenomenal win. Not only the best team you've played all year, not only the best win you could get so far this season. Um, but it's just, they don't get much bigger than this. And this, this is like, uh, all right, you may have seen Auburn this year kind of from a national perspective. You may have seen Auburn this year because Jabari Smith's this talented prospect, and and people you know are seeing what Walker Kessler is doing, and 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 they know that Auburn and 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 Pearl have been in have been in the spotlight for the last few seasons, but this is one of those like, all right, Auburn wins this game, you start looking around and being like, this team is moving closer and closer to the elites in college basketball this season. Now, if they lose, not the end of the world. It's game one. You know, they have a chance to bounce back over these next couple of games before they go to Alabama. But, I mean, a huge, huge opportunity to put yourselves on the map if you're Auburn and say, not only are we a top 10 team, we are a team that should start getting more and more attention as who has enough talent and who has the makeup to make a run and possibly win a national championship. It's not all going to be hinging on one game. But, man, this is a statement that could go a long, long way if they could do it. I'm here for it. I like the positivity. The Auburn fans, the Auburn people, they need it. Right now we need solidarity. All right? It's been tough. Um, I don't know what's going on uh, with football, but right now it's basketball season for a basketball school. Yeah. That's, and that's we have about... Jabari Smith, and we have Walker Kessler. We have Wendell. We have Alan Flanagan. Am I going to run through the whole roster? I could. I don't mind. We're that deep. We're so good right now that right. Uh, Will Wade knows it. He doesn't want any part of this. Yeah, Will Wade was. Uh, if if you missed that quote, Will Wade was uh, gassing up Auburn's uh, home court advantage by saying like uh, he thought LSU his LSU team was way too sloppy against Lipscomb. Uh, they turned the ball over fourteen times in the game. Um, Lipscomb kind of closed pretty well in the second half against him, and he's like, man, if we do this against Auburn, they'll you know. It's the it's the best home court advantage in the SEC, and like, look, that's it's true. It's I think true. you can make that argument, right? Like, I understand if you say that there are other places ahead of it. Sure, it's purely subjective. I think Florida at its peak is is still one of the best to beat. I think Rupp at its peak is really good. Yeah, I think there's a reason they're they're super talented, so that's the main thing. But like, yeah, people don't go into Rupp and get wins very often. 
but it's also kind of different. I mean, it's just the architecture of what Auburn has in, uh, they're right on you, man. It's wonderful. Um, by the way, uh, as we're recording this, uh, get in price for Auburn LSU uh, Wednesday night looks like it's it's one twenty five right now on a school on night, stuff. no less. Woo! On a school night, on a school night when school's not even in session. Oh, you're right. You're right. These but people, I mean, you know, the... you people have time. Get out there. <laughs> I wonder how many. Stu- I wonder what the student section will look like. I mean, I, I would imagine I mean, people full. who. Are, yeah, it's it's. If anything, I hate that our student section isn't. The entire building. I wonder. I, I do wonder. I do wonder. And this is just me thinking out loud here. Is I do wonder how many like if they could go full on like for a big basketball game and they and they said we have unlimited seats for students. I wonder how many they could fill up for for a game like this. A big game if they did it for this game, the SEC opener against another opponent that looks like it could make a tournament run and win its conference. Like I have no doubt that they would fill that thing up. Yeah, yeah. This is also. Am I my, giving? Because it's what it's a little less than ten. It's like eighty five hundred roughly. Yeah. It's like if we can get twenty thousand college students out for a football game, I think we can get eight thousand out for a basketball game. Yeah, Auburn's Auburn Arena is nine one two one in terms of a uh, capacity. Right okay. Now. This is also this also leads into the thing that I know friend of the program Dan Peck and and uh and I have talked about in the past where it's like it would be cool for one game for Auburn and I don't I don't know what you'd all have to do to 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 make this happen like I'm sure there's a lot of regulations stuff like that um stuff you have to clear but like for one game Auburn goes back to Beard Eves and oh, plays oh wow that would be such a fun I mean it is there and it is such an eyesore we might as well have a little trip like, down memory lane like before they tear Beard Eves down which seems like it's probably going to happen after the football facilities built. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and and I say I say go full throwback night, man. Like make concession stand prices like '90s prices. Oh, yeah. Wear throwback uniforms. Like you might not want to do it for like the biggest game that you play. Like you don't. You might want to do it for this game or like a, a Kentucky home game or something. But like an Auburn Georgia game. You know, in, what about like in, an in Arkansas Vegas? game, a team that yeah. also is having a nice run that will almost certainly be ranked as long as Musselman is their coach and will almost certainly be a contender in your league and had success in the 90s just like you did. Yeah, I, I, I'm all for it. Let's let's that is a no- brilliant idea, boys. Yeah, I, I think I think it, I think it should happen. Give us give us throwback night at Beard Eves and. Uh, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, I think I think it'd be a whole lot of fun. I think fans would be into. It. I think players would think it. Like just the novelty of it would be really really cool to see. Um, so, I, Painter, I know you are picking Auburn to win this game. I don't do predictions, <laughs> but uh, I just I, it, it's it's it, to me it's going to come down to obviously where it's just like they could totally lose this game. Let's be oh, honest. For sure, this is a good sure. team they're playing. Uh, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. How much they can assert themselves in a game where I think Auburn's backcourt is going to have their hands full just because of the matchup problems that, uh, that, that LSU presents with their backcourt. Um, not saying it's not impossible. I know Auburn's going to have to score with their backcourt. I'll be interested to see how much a guy like Alan Flanagan plays in this game. Bruce Pearl said he should, you know, no issues at all coming off of that Murray state game. Uh, and looks like he's going to get more and more minutes moving forward. Great news for Auburn, obviously. Um, so, 
we'll see we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it goes but it's just at home can Auburn get to the free throw line kind of turn some of LSU's aggressiveness against them uh, on defense and you know t- take care of the ball and I mean it's going to be a war it's going to be a I think a 40 minute just war between these two teams and uh Bruce Pearl said it the other day it's as good as it gets this is as good of it as it gets in terms of a matchup in SEC uh basketball and uh it's the start of a brutal schedule for Auburn basketball, but man, they just went through a tricky non-conference schedule and did a great job with it. All right. That's 30. Uh, that is going to do it for this podcast. Um, we will be back for the inner circle members tomorrow to talk Auburn LSU. We're back at it, baby. We are back at it. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys waiting on the, uh, on the podcast this week. Those of you listen uh, to our free, our free feed and are subscribed to that. Just wanted to talk about an actual game instead of absolutely nothing over the weekend. Yeah, no, we do appreciate your patience uh, very, because very, you have expectations, and that's fair, but also we don't know what we would have told you. Exactly. And so um, AuburnObserver.com, if you subscribe, you can get the recap podcast uh, on Thursday for Auburn LSU basketball, and you will get everything we've got going on at the Observer with the newsletter. A lot of you guys, like I said earlier, joined on um here over the holiday break and uh, we really really appreciate it and hope you stay aboard with us for a while uh that'll do it for me painter your final thoughts happy new year still got another one to do before we do that but all right